So good to be back. I told you I'd be back. You're stuck with me. You chose my best friend as your pastor, or God did, however you want to put that. And so it's a two for one. I'm back in under a year. Yay. Yay. How many people were here um, last time I spoke? Come on. That's awesome. How many people have been sharing the gospel since the last time I spoke? Come on. Yes. I get excited about that because faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. But how can they hear unless somebody preaches? Say preach. Preach means proclaim with words. If you break it down, proclaim with words. You know, you've heard it said, preach the gospel at all times. And if necessary, use words. I love it. I love the heart behind it. St. Francis said it. I don't know if he was the first to say it or not. I love the heart behind it. It means be, be consistent, live it. You know, your life should be a testimony. I love everything about it, except for that Jesus didn't say that. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus said, preach the gospel. It's that proclamation. It's that word. Jesus said, the words that I say are not my words, but they're from the Father and their spirit and their life. So when you begin to memorize the red letters, when you begin to memorize the words, when you begin to memorize the word of God and you begin to preach that word, you're literally preaching the words from the Father and they're like a sword that cuts the heart. People are like, I don't know how to preach the gospel. I don't know, you know, I'm, maybe, maybe I'm, I'm, I'm too introverted. You're extroverted. First of all, let's just laugh at that. <laughs> just ask my wife. I, I recharge alone. I get tired. You ask anybody if I'm around a conference. I get tired. I go, I go to, the, to the hotel room to recharge so I can come back out. Like, it, it ain't that I'm an introvert or extrovert. Or, that, or people might say, well, you know, I, what if I stumble over my words? What, well, you know, or I, 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 I'm kind of shy. I, I, you notice it's I, 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 I. But it's never been about us, is it? It's Christ in you. It's Christ in you that is the hope of glory, right? It's no longer you who live, but who lives in you. Say Christ. Christ. Come on. Christ in you. Listen, it's in your weakness that his strength is made perfect. You might think you're weak in evangelism, but that's, that's, that means you're qualified. Literally, literally, the thing that really disqualifies us is when we think that we're powerful in our own self. But we got to understand we're completely dependent upon the Holy Spirit. And that when we step out and obey Jesus, because the Great Commission is not the great suggestion, right? And we step out and we obey Jesus to preach the gospel, his promises, and lo, I'll be with you. Presence. I think we're talking about presence right now, right? I'll be with you forever. So when we step out, we're not alone to preach the gospel. We have a helper, which is the Holy Spirit, which Jesus spoke about. He said, it's to your advantage that I go away. I think I spoke about this last time I was here. It's to your advantage that I go away, because if I do, I'll send to you the helper. Like even better than walking with Jesus. I mean, Jesus said it. He's the truth made flesh. Whatever he says is absolutely true. And it's wild to my mind that he says it's better for you that I go. And yet it's true. We have the Holy Spirit. And so when we preach the word, it's the Holy Spirit that convicts the heart. But he wants to co-labor with you and me. And, and, and he's going to get the glory, all the glory. 
because we can't do it. Say, I'm not the best evangelist, but my best friend is. And he's with me always. Come on. That makes every day an adventure. Every day is exciting. I wake up every day wondering what's going to happen. I'm not waiting for the conference or, or Sunday or Wednesday or the special meeting. Like I'm like, I wonder what's going to happen when I go into the grocery store. I hope my wife doesn't get mad at me that I'm not back in time, you know. But every day is an adventure. You know, I was with um, Chris Overstreet. Anybody know who Chris Overstreet is? Um, he, he was the evangelist at Bethel Church for many years, and he's one of my best friends. I met Chris Overstreet on the street of Chico, California, back in 2005. And, um, you know, he's the evangelist at Bill Johnson's church. And I, I, don't, I didn't even know who Bill Johnson was. I got saved when I was 18 years old, had 18 felonies in and out of juvenile detention before that. My, I was lost. I went to a Baptist church, a Southern Baptist church when I got saved, learned, learned how, to, how to eat because when the Baptists meet, we eat. Yeah. Learned how to get a foundation in the word because the Baptists, we love the word. You know, every different denomination has a different glory. And if you have eyes to see it, you'll receive their glory. And I went from the Baptist to YWAM and I'm in YWAM and they're teaching me how to hear God's voice. You know, is that really you, God? And so then I added prophetic evangelism to my, you know, my, my, my tools. I used to lead people to Jesus, just buy you a cheeseburger, share my testimony and uh, the Romans road because the Baptist, you know, and people are getting saved left and right. That's all I knew. Then I, then I added prophetic evangelism because if I can hear God for me, that means I can hear God for you. And he knows everything about every person in the world. His thoughts for them are more than the sand on the seashore, more than the stars that are in the heavens. He knows them. He knows every fear they're going through. He knows the thing that, that's going to cut right to their heart. That's why it's an advantage to, to develop intimacy with the Holy Spirit in the secret place. It's the secret place that is the practice place for the marketplace. And we spend time with him in the secret place, learn his voice and how he speaks to us. And then when we go out, we have an advantage. I might not know how to win this person to Christ, but my best friend does. Come on. He knows where I need to go. He knows what I need to say. He knows what stories I need to share. He knows what part of our relationship I should share because the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy, right? Hey, who has a relationship with Jesus in here? Come on, that means you got a testimony. Not, not just that you, when you got saved, but how he provided for you last week. Come on. How many people think that people need to hear testimonies about God's provision? Especially right now with the gas prices, right? Like, <laughs> but I remember I was in Chico, California. I stepped out. Uh, I went onto the streets, you know, and I started preaching the gospel. Um, I started seeing people get saved through prophetic evangelism. I met a guy named Sean Smith, who is a prophetic evangelist from Stockton. He prayed for me. The power of God hit me. Bang. I fell out on the concrete under the, under the power of God. The, you know, I didn't even know what that was. I was from a Baptist church. Remember, like, like he prayed for me and bang, I hit the concrete, uh, you know, and I thought he pushed me down actually. So I got up and I'm like, I played football too. I'm going to put my feet right. He ain't going to do that again. Prayed for me again. Bang, I hit the ground again. Only this time they put a chair behind me. So I actually fell into a chair and uh, they're like, whoa, did you feel the spirit of God hit him? And I'm like, I, I, I didn't know what to think about it, but I could feel like the Holy Spirit chicken, chicken skin, you know, like the goosebumps, you know, whatever you want to call it. Like, I could feel it was the Lord. I felt it, but I didn't understand it. You ever have an encounter that you don't understand? 
but you know it's from God. Sometimes you can know something, but you don't know it. You know, like you don't understand it, but you can know it. Like, I pray that you would know the love of God that goes beyond knowledge. There's some things you can experience and know before you really, your brain catches up. Sometimes your heart can know it. And I remember I had this encounter with the Holy Spirit. I think, by the way, that the Holy Spirit wants to touch many of you tonight in that way. How many people would like to have a a fresh, maybe you've been touched before, but just a fresh, just touch of the Holy Spirit that bypasses everything that's up here and just hits you right in the heart. And yeah, this is gonna catch up, but just bang, hits you right in the heart. I think we need to experience a God that's beyond our understanding, a God that's beyond what, it's just completely beyond what we are able to to comprehend. <laughs> Do you? Come on, I think we need to be in wonder. I think some so many people have lost their wonder and they need a fresh encounter with the Holy Spirit so they can be in wonder again. Come on. And these, so Sean prayed for me, bang, power of God hits me. I go on the streets to Chico after that. And for about six months straight, if I shook your hand, I'd get a whole download of your life. Not a little bit. Like I just know everything, all this stuff. Or I'd walk into like stores and I'd see these little flash videos above people's heads and it's the weirdest thing. And I would know things about people. I thought, you know, I was only saved for maybe a year. I thought this is normal Christianity. Say it is. Come on. And uh, so I'm like doing this and, and I had a probably about an 80% strike rate for healing too. Almost everybody I was praying for was getting healed for about six months. Um, but it was, it was crazy because during that time I would go to the streets of Chico State. Um, it's a university town. And uh, I would start to minister and, I, and, and crowds would start to gather just spontaneously, like 40, 50 people on the streets. And uh, during that time, Chris Overstreet brought a team from, from uh, Redding, California down. And um, I saw him and I thought, I'm gonna share the gospel with him. And I walked up to him to share the gospel with Chris Overstreet, the evangelist at Bethel Church. And it was love at first sight. I say that because sometimes your divine appointments, a lot of times your divine appointments, because that was a divine appointment for me. That was a divine relationship for me. Chris would disciple me. Chris would create space for me. He would propel me forward. He believed in me. He spoke into my life. He helped me become a better version of, of Christ. You know, But that was a divine appointment. But I, I met him as I was being obedient to the Great Commission. So many people, and I, I, I speak at conferences, I'm not knocking conferences, but so many people go from conference to conference, from school of ministry to school of ministry, looking for their next divine appointment, their next encounter. When I think that some of them, some of those encounters that we're looking for, they're out there in the darkest places of your city when you go and you're gonna find Jesus there because he's there. He said, I was in prison and you visited me. So many people want a face-to-face encounter with Jesus. I say he's in prison. He said he's in prison. Come on. (laughs) Man. So I met Chris there, and and he's been a best friend of mine. And a lot of the stories I tell was about Chris. But I'm going to share this story because I'm going somewhere today. I'm I'm going somewhere today because um, I, I, I feel like the Lord wants me to talk about finding the pearl of great price. The kingdom of heaven is like a man found a pearl of great price and sold everything so that he could find it. And um, the Lord says, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. The Lord said, 
about Jesus, he was sent to seek and to save that which was lost. And he says, if I have been sent, so I send you to what? Seek and to save that which was lost, right? Come on, that's why he commissioned us. And this is the invitation. And we get to do this. It's not something we have to do. I wanna inspire people to say, man, this is my inheritance as a believer. This is what I get to do. This is what I can't help myself what to do. To do. Like evangelism isn't, isn't for that one gifted person or one church or something like that. No, it's the, it's the privilege of every believer. Out of the abundance of my heart, my mouth speaks. I love God with all of my heart. If you love God with all of your heart, then out of your heart will come Jesus. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Come on, that means evangelism isn't necessarily something that you do, it's who you are. Come on, it's you, you can't help yourself. You can't quit thinking about him because you're in love. You're in love, he, you're thinking about him all the time. And so you're thinking about him. And so therefore out of the abundance of your heart, you're speaking about him about Jesus. You can't help yourself, everything. So I'm with Chris and we go into a neighborhood and we're praying. And the reason we're in that neighborhood is because Chris had a dream and God showed him that neighborhood in a dream. And so we go to the neighborhood in obedience to his dream and, and we're praying in the neighborhood. And, and as we're getting ready to go door to door, because Jesus said in Luke 10, go two by two, house to house. So we're obeying Jesus. We're gonna go two by two, house to house. I think it's a strategy for revival. I, I honestly think it's a Jesus plan to take cities. He sent them ahead of himself of the cities he was about to go two by two, house to house. And I, I still think it's a strategy for taking cities. We're going two by two, house to house. And as we're walking, we see a car accident in the neighborhood in a place that normally wouldn't have a car accident. And what had happened is this single mom had, uh, was driving down the road and a cat came out and she swerved to miss the cat. All the cat lovers were like, yes. She swerved to miss the cat and hit the car and completely destroyed her car and destroyed this other parked car. Now the parked car was parked illegally on, in, a, in front of a sign that says no parking. But both cars are destroyed and um, she's distraught. And so we go and, and um, love looks like something, right? We're gonna, go, we're gonna go preach the gospel and we're gonna be Jesus. And so we go, what's going on? And we see it. And so the first thing we do is we push the car out of the road. Now, here's a funny story. I've been working out at the beginning of this year because I've been out of shape because I've been traveling. And my excuse is that they feed me everywhere I go at restaurants and, and, my, and I don't sleep enough, but really I've just been lazy for a little while. And so I started working out this year and eating healthy. And so I'm out there and right before I go on the outreach, I, I go over to this wall and I say, I'm gonna get a little bit of a workout. I'm gonna start burning off some of this calories because we just ate at the restaurant. And I start doing calf raises you know, against this. And I'm like, yeah, that feels burnt. I'm burning these calories, you know. Little did I know right here in a minute, I'm gonna push this car and my, 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 my legs are screaming at me. It's like the Lord's just laughing at me, you know. And I'm pushing this car that's all busted down out of the side of the road and the lady's like, you know, what are you guys doing? And my friend Chris is like, we're gonna call a tow truck and we're gonna pay for your car to be towed. And not only that, we're gonna pay for your car to be fixed. She's weeping now. And so he starts to do that. And, um, and, and then we get a word of knowledge. Do you, do you need groceries? She said, we were on our way to get groceries right now. Here's my list. She's like, I know it's a big list, but we weren't gonna get everything. We only have $80, you know? 
We're like, we're going to get your whole list plus some extra steaks and whatever else and whatever your kids like, all the fun stuff, what cereals do you like and a couple extra things, you know, bacon. You guys like bacon. Everybody likes bacon, right? We'll get you some bacon. And um, so she's like blown away. So while the tow truck car is getting there, we go to the we go to the store. And as we're walking into the store, this couple is walking out, young couple. And uh, we just look over and we say, hey, how are you doing? Jesus loves you. How many people can do that? It doesn't take a, a profound evangelist like a Billy Graham statesman evangelist to say, hey, how are you doing? Jesus loves you. Or has anyone told you Jesus loves you today? It just kind of shocks people. Actually, no one's told me that today. Well, I get to be the first one. You do it with a smile on your face. Look at your neighbor and smile. Say, you look better with a smile on your face. <laughs> so many people don't understand. This is like a simple 101 evangelism equipping strategy. Smile. You believe the gospel. It's the almost too good to be true news. You believe Jesus died for people and resurrected from the dead and nothing can separate you from the love of God and he's gonna work all things out for your good that happen in your life. Smile. No matter what you're going through, it's, 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 this ain't it. This too shall pass. So might as well rejoice. And again, I say rejoice. Come on, rejoice always. And rejoice like it's already worked out for good because it's gonna get worked out for good even if you can't see it right now. And there's something about that joy that's contagious, that draws people that want to, man, I don't know, this guy's kind of crazy, but there's something about him. He's got this joy and it's kind of offensive. What is it about your offensive joy, dude? Hey, Jesus loves you. Have a good day. Can we pray for you? And they kind of stop in the middle of the road and they're thinking and they look at each other like, this is crazy. Like, actually, yes. And they stepped aside. They're like, um, he's like, I, I, I'm a backslidden youth pastor. And, uh, and she says, I grew up in the church, but I haven't been walking with Jesus since I was a little girl. And today we just said out loud, Jesus, is, you know, if you, if you want us together, show us a sign. I don't know if God... So here we are, we're talking to him. We start ministering to him. The long story, we can go into all the amazing words of knowledge, not important as much. What ended up happening is both of them are weeping and crying, giving their life to Jesus in the parking lot, rededicating their life to Jesus. Why? Because we're there buying groceries for a single mom of three kids, one of them with autism that just got in a car accident. She would have had even a worse day because now she doesn't have a car to go to work. We're there to go in the grocery store. Why? Because it's fun to be a Christian. Say, it's fun to be a Christian. It's fun to do the Great Commission. It, it, it ain't a burden. It ain't something like, oh man, I gotta do it. Oh, I don't wanna do it. No, I don't wanna step out. Of no, no, no. It's, it's a joy to step out of your comfort zone. Listen, one of, the, one of the names of the Holy Spirit is comforter. So many people don't even need any comfort because they never step out of their comfort zone. Come on. We got to step out of our comfort zone and let the Holy Spirit be our comfort. Let the presence of God be our comfort. Come on. I'm not stepping out in my gifting. I'm not stepping out because I feel like I've had enough training. I'm stepping out because I believe when I do, you're with me. And you love this person more than me. Come on. They both give their life to Christ. We go back to this lady. And as we're there with her, um, 
Chris is working out, you know, the details and credit card out with the tow truck guy doing the practical stuff because compassion leads to action. Come on. We want to do that. We want to do the other part too. We want to, we want to, we don't just want to preach the gospel, even though we preach the gospel, we want to live the gospel too. And so I'm, he's talking to her, to the tow truck driver, and I'm talking to this lady, and all of a sudden I get a word of knowledge, which is to know something either past or present that you couldn't know unless God revealed it to you. And all of a sudden I have this sensation in my hip. It's kind of like I just a knowing that she has a problem with her hip. I said, hey, do you have a problem with your hip and your back? She said, that's so crazy. I was born with my hip out of joint. I said, God wants to heal your lower back and he wants to heal your hip as well. Probably one of your legs is shorter than the other two, right? She said, yeah, I have a special shoe and everything. I said, watch this. We prayed for her. Her leg comes out, not like the, the fake kind, you know, like the, the real, you know, like shoe, you know, everything. And this lady gets totally healed. And she starts weeping because she's walking around without back pain and her car's being fixed and it's being paid for. And she's got a refrigerator full of groceries. Her life, she's like, what is happening? You know, and we start talking to her and she's like, I can't believe something good is happening to me. I felt like a, like I have a, like a, like an X on me that's marking me for bad stuff. Like I feel like a, a rejected egg or something like, she's like, I just broke up with the man because he beat me. And every man I've ever been with abuses me and beats me. And she's weeping. She's, I don't even know why I'm crying and telling you this. And, and we just begin to speak to her about how the father sees her. How he's going to heal her heart. How he loves her. How he provides for her according to his riches and glory. How he's a protector. How he lays down his life for her. And we begin to share the gospel with her. And as we're sharing the gospel with her, she ends up getting, giving her life to Christ as well. And she gets born again. And now she's plugged in to Chris's wife has a mother's group. And she's plugged in with all these on fire Holy Spirit women that are discipling her. Why? Because it's fun to be a Christian. Say it's fun to be a Christian. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I was reading that scripture one time at, in, in Matthew. The kingdom of heaven is like a, a man who found a pearl of great price. Reading it one morning and the Lord, I was on my way to a prayer meeting. And, um, and the Lord said, Six in the morning prayer meeting I had committed to. The Lord said, um, today I want you to go downtown Calgary. It's negative 30 degrees. Negative 30. Just feel bad for me for a little bit. Like I told, I told the Lord, I said, God, when I got saved, I will go anywhere. You're calling me to be a missionary. I'll go anywhere in the world for you except for Russia. Now, I even would go to Russia, especially right now. I'd love to go to Russia right now. Just light me up, send me to Russia. I'd love to. But at that point, I said, God, except for Russia. And the only reason I said that is because I said, God, you know, I don't like the frozen tundra. You know, I don't like cold. Send me somewhere warm, you know. And I say, God has a sense of humor because I forgot to say Canada. And I met this radically, I mean, a radical in love with Jesus, blue-eyed beauty from Canada. And, and I could not keep my eyes off of this girl, even though I thought she was a distraction from the devil. 
because I was just gotten saved and I thought I'm going to be like the apostle Paul said, you know, I'm only going to preach the gospel and, you know, I'm all zealous and religious and, you know, I'm like, I'm just going after Jesus and I just can't stop thinking about this girl. Eventually I'm like rebuking it, like God, get behind me, Satan, you know, all these thoughts, you know, and it's just not working. I'm like, God, how come you're not delivering me from these thoughts, you know, and, and he said, cause you're crazy about her. And he said it and like, it, and it was okay. And I'm like, oh yeah. And then I, I remembered, you know, God, the father said something earlier than Paul. It's not good that man should be alone. <laughs> so I'm all listening to God, the father, you know, I fall in that. It's not good that I be alone. Anyway, we get married and we moved to Canada. And so I'm living in Canada. We're pastoring a church and, you know, I'm doing good things, right? We're doing a prayer meeting at six in the morning. And God spoke to me. He said, and I had meetings all day long because pastors have a lot of meetings. I don't know if you know that, but everybody wants to meet with you when you're a pastor. And not all your meetings, not all your sheep are nice. They bite, they hurt. Like, I, you know, we, I didn't ever know that until I became a pastor. You know, take it easy on your pastor. You know, they're, they're, they're doing the best they can. <laughs> uh, Anyway, I, I'm at meetings all day, all good stuff, you know, but the Lord said, I want you to go downtown Calgary. Slow obedience is disobedience. Sometimes, sometimes Jesus is Lord of everything in our life except our time. Even sometimes it's good things that we have filled up our schedules with. Sometimes it's church things. Sometimes it's all kinds of things, but our life is so full that we don't even have time when the Lord says, actually, don't go this way, go this way. Our life is actually dictated a lot of times by the fear of man and people's expectations around us rather than the voice of the Lord. And I feel like the Lord wants to speak to us about finding the pearls of great price and actually uh, surrendering the idol of our time. Because some of your most powerful encounters will happen at the most inconvenient times. We had other things planned that day rather than going to the grocery store and dealing with a car accident. But we made her problem our problem because God gave Chris a dream to go to the neighborhood. So I wake up this day. He says, I want you to go to downtown Calgary. It's negative 30 degrees. I do the prayer meeting and then I go to downtown Calgary. We get off, it's freezing cold. We get off the C train at the wrong station when it's freezing cold. It's so cold you walk, out, walk outside and the, and the air hurts your skin. Hurts it, literally. My eyeballs hurt because they're freezing. And there's this dude walking in front of me. He has holes all in his jeans, in his shoes. He's limping and he's got a, a hoodie on, a green hoodie over his head pulled like this and all these like safety pins. That's all he has. He has no shirt underneath of it. And he's walking outside in the negative 40 like this, just limping. And as soon as I see him, I hear the Lord say, that's the pearl of great price. And so I'm joining Jesus right? Because he's the one who sold it all to get the pearl of great price. You know that, right? I'm joining Jesus. And, and I see this man and I, and, I, and I do what I tell you not to do because I have the five core values of evangelism that we teach. One of them is honor. That means you don't touch somebody without asking them because it's not really honoring. Some people don't want you to touch them. Well, I broke that rule. I don't know why, maybe it's the Holy Spirit. We're just gonna blame it on the Holy Spirit. But I walked up to this dude and I just grabbed him on his shoulders with boldness. And I said, look at me. And he looked up at me and he looked through me like he was empty. And, um, and I said, uh, 
Jesus loves you, man. I'm here to tell you that Jesus loves you and pray for you. What happened to your ankle? And he starts to, he immediately starts to tear up and cry. And he starts to mouth like he wants to talk to me. And then all of a sudden his voice comes back and he crackles out. He said, you're the first person who's talked to me in four days. I've been in Calgary for four days. You're the first person who's stopped me to talk to me. He said, I'm going on and off this sea train, on and off this sea train, just so I can stay warm. He said, last night I tried to go to the hospital and, they, and the security guard beat me up and kicked me out of the hospital. And uh, I'm like, would you like something warm to eat? Would you like some tea? And uh, he's like, yeah, I lost my voice. These, these uh, guys gave me some bad drugs or something and I lost my voice. And, and um, so I'm like, yeah, let's go. Let's go get some coffee. And um, so he's going with us. And as we're walking down with him, I hear the Lord speak to me because John 10 says, my sheep, they hear my voice and they, and they follow me and I know them. Which, by the way, this is eternal life, that you would know the Father and the Son whom he sent. This is eternal life. This is salvation. Not just that we say a prayer, but do we know Jesus? Do we know him? We can't know anyone that we don't talk to and also listen to. And according to Jesus, if we hear his voice and we follow him, then he knows us. And so I'm, I'm walking with this guy and I hear the Lord speak to me. And he says, he, his family's worried about him. Get him to call his family. I said, hey, man, you got a family? He's like, yeah. I'm like, the Lord just told me to tell you, tell you to, to call your family. He's like, oh, I don't think so. And I'm like, no, no, no. The Lord, I, your family's worried about you. He said, oh, okay. Call my sister then. And he gets my, he gives me a sister's number. So I dial ring, 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 ring. It, it goes to the voicemail. Once it's on the voicemail, I say, hey, guess what? I'm with your brother, Jesse. And this is who he is to God. And I just begin to speak what I hear God say about Jesse, who, who he really is. What is God's thoughts for him? See, this is my strategy in prophetic evangelism. Your thoughts for them are more than the sands on the seashore. Just give me a few of your thoughts. Just give me a few grains of sand for him. This is what God thinks about Jesse. This is who he is. And I begin to prophesy about who Jesse is. He's like walking with me. And the whole time he's walking beside me and he's doing this. I keep saying stuff. He's looking at me. He's like, I hang up. I said, and just call me back. Here's my number. I hang up. And he says, uh, wow, can you call my dad and tell him all that stuff? <laughs> That's a miracle, by the way, because Jesse and his dad don't get along. But like, like literally they're in a, in a fight right now. He hasn't talked to his dad. But in that moment, there's still that little boy in Jesse that wants his dad to know that he, he should be proud of him. Can you call my dad and tell him about that? He gives me his dad's number. I call, ring, dad picks up. Hello? I'm like, hey, my name's Richie Seltzer. I'm with your son, Jesse. He said, oh, thank God. Thank God. We've been in, we've been in Calgary for four days looking for Jesse. We're about an hour outside of Calgary right now. We gave up. We've been looking for him for four days. See, Jesse had bipolar and he was manic and he had some schizophrenia stuff that he was dealing with, mental health stuff that he was dealing with. And he had gone off his medication and broke out of wherever he was at, psychiatric hospital, and had walked all the way like like four days worth of walking to get to Calgary in the freezing cold. That's why his shoes had, had holes in it. When he took his shoes off, there was blisters all over his whole feet. 
We took him into the store and we bought him all new shoes and new clothes, even though I was a poor pastor at the time. I was the youth without any money at one point, YWAM, and then I was the poor pastor at the same time. But we took what we had and we bought this dude new shoes and a new coat and we took him and we're feeding him. And uh, his dad's like, oh, my God, we've been looking for him for four days. We couldn't find him. And, and we had given up. We're an hour out. Can you stay with him until we get there? I'm like, yeah, we're going to be at the Dream Center. We're going to get him something to drink, and then we're going to go to the Dream Center. It's where my church is. And uh, so we're at the – we ended up going to McDonald's because all the other cafes were closed and drink what they call coffee, you know. And um, yeah, that's, it's my coffee snobbery coming out, you know. But um, we're sitting there and Jesse would talk. And actually, as we walk in, there's another man that we catch through the door. As soon as he comes through the door, we come through the door. Here's another man. His name is Troy. Now, here's the second pearl of great price. We're going to get two for one. Because Troy had just been to my church two weeks prior. He had broke his back in a, in a uh, snowboarding accident. And went on pain medication years ago and actually got addicted to the pain medication. And because he was an addict, he had been stealing from everybody in his family, burned every bridge he had, and uh, got kicked out of Teen Challenge two or three times and was stealing money from his grandmother, literally calling her to get pay for his addiction. And uh, he comes to my church and his back gets miraculously healed through a meth addict who had been saved for three years and is now married and has four kids now. His life's been transformed by the power of Jesus. And now he's praying for this guy and this guy's back is getting, say, it's fun to be a Christian. And his back gets healed and he gets saved and somehow he leaves and he kind of starts backsliding again after he had been at my church and had a really rough night. He also got beat up by a security guard at a bus station the night before. And he's like, oh God, thank God that you're here. I'm so glad to see you. I'm like, yeah, sit down at the table with us. So here I am with the, and I have my, my ex-meth addict. That's now a son, a child of God with me. He's my evangelism partner that day. And then Jesse, and then now this guy, Troy. And we're having a dinner together. And it's like I'm eating with Jesus. Because he said, I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. See, Matthew 25, he said, he's gonna, we're gonna read it here at the end because I know I'm quoting a lot of scripture, but for some of you, you're not going to be happy unless I actually read word for word down through. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you can turn to Matthew 25 if you want, but we'll read it in a minute. But um, we're, we're sitting there and we're eating, we're talking. And every now and then, Jesse, Jesse kind of, um, he'll look up and he'll say something wild. Like, he'll be like, you know, I got like this mansion. It's got like, it's got like. 15 rooms and we're going to throw this mega party. I'm going to have hot girls there and it's going to be a rock band and you guys could come to my house and then, you know, and we're going to party because you guys are so cool to me, you know, and we're like, okay, you know, that's awesome, dude. Like, and Troy's, and Troy's talking. He's like, this is so cool. One time I watched Todd White videos. You guys are like Todd White. I want to be like Todd White one day, you know, and uh, we're like, so we're having this conversation and drinking and eating you know, McDonald's and stuff. And because it's not boring to be a Christian. If you're bored as a Christian, you need help. And the good news is that Jesus sent a helper. And if you follow the helper, you won't be bored. 
But if you're just going through the motions, it'll be boring being a Christian. Come on. So we're talking and whatever, and um, all of a sudden Jesse says, you know what? I'm the best piano player that you've ever heard. And I, and I heard the Lord say, he is pretty good. And I thought, I bet you are pretty good, dude. And he's like, yeah. I'm like, when we go to the Dream Center, we have a baby grand piano at my church. You can play it. I always wanted to play a, a grand piano, you know? And uh, so we leave and we go back and we get to the Dream Center. We walk through and I'm gonna check Troy in to the Dream Center because it's for people who are working on their testimony. You know, they're getting free, you know? And, um, and so I'm gonna check Troy in and uh, he's like filling out the paper and, and, um, <laughs> and, uh, and my church is actually being rented out. So we couldn't go to where the piano is. And I'm all bummed and Jesse's bummed because I wanted to hear him play the piano. So we walk around to where the cafeteria is and wouldn't you know it that day, somebody donated a piano. And there's the piano in the cafeteria area where they have all the pool tables and the foosball and all this stuff where all the guys that are working on their testimony are hanging out and watching TV and stuff. They're all in there. And uh, I said, Jesse, check it out. It's a piano. He's like, no way. And he sits down and Troy's filling out his paperwork. And, you know, Jesse starts like playing and, he, and it's beautiful. And he starts playing his story. He's like, you know, I taught myself how to play the piano. I used to just play like this. He starts doing this. And then he's, he said, I found it helped me with the pain I was going through. And he starts telling me his testimony. And I started writing this. And, and it was like really dark, you know. And it was beautiful, but it was dark. And then he would be like, but then this happened. And he starts like just going off. And the presence of God fills that cafeteria area. And I close my eyes and I'm like, oh my gosh. And I hear the Lord say, now you're worshiping. <laughs> See, worship, worship is a lifestyle. It's not just the songs that we sing. It's part of it. It's a lifestyle. Here I am, and, and I'm being led in worship by, by one of his, his lost sons. He's only walking in the light that he has. But he's worthy of the blood of Jesus. Because the word of God says, he died for us while we were yet still sinners, while we were still lost. He's leading me in worship. Here's somebody for four days nobody talked to, didn't have any value for but he's leading us in worship. And as he's doing that, Troy's over here and he's calling his dad because he has to have a reference to get into the Dream Center. He calls his dad, ring, ring. Now his dad, backstory, his dad is a elite business guy in Canada, really successful. But um, his marriage got blown up by a false prophet 20 years earlier and uh, it's a terrible situation. All of his kids ran away from the Lord because of this false prophet and they all went into drugs. He had two daughters and a son. And um, the two daughters are the poster children for Teen Challenge. They're on the front of the magazine about how they got free and now they're, they're, they're saved and they're married and they got all these beautiful kids. And, and uh, Troy's flunked out four times. And so his dad is meeting with the director of Teen Challenge, the successful business guy. And he's brokenhearted because his son's stealing from his mom. And he's like, I've had it. I've had enough. I'm cutting him off. I don't want to see him again. I don't want to have anything to do with him again. 
We've given him so many chances. See, you can't make this stuff up. He's meeting with the teen challenge guy. And the teen challenge guy says, no, one more chance. Don't give up on him. See, because love never fails. Love doesn't give up. We give up on people too easy. But love doesn't give up. Love doesn't fail. Love lays down your life for your brother. No greater love than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. And this man, he's encouraging this, this other father who's brokenhearted and he's disappointed and he's in a moment of despair. He's saying, no, don't give up because we need each other sometimes when we want to give up. That's why we got to be in the body of Christ to encourage one another because the enemy's walking around like a roaring lion looking for whom he may devour and discourage and get us not to be Christ-like. And we need one another to prophesy over one another and remind each other who you are no you have everything you need you have jesus christ your son is lost he's dead come on let's plead for him and he's and he's he's encouraging this man and in that moment ring 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 oh my gosh it's from calgary hey dad it's troy i met this guy he's like todd white Remember how I told you I want to be like Todd White? I met this dude. He's like, Todd, again, I'm going to be an evangelist. I'm at the Dream Center. I'm going to get checked in so I can get healed. Can you be my reference? His dad's just sobbing on the other side of the phone. Sobbing on the phone. (laughs) Right around that time, Jesse's parents come in. You can't make this up. It's like a movie or something, man. It's crazy. Jesse's parents come in and... And the mom just, I mean, she doesn't give me, I'm going to go shake her hand as I see her coming in, you know, and she just doesn't even look at me. She just runs right by me and just falls on Jesse and just weeping on him over Jesse. And uh, dad's there and his dad goes over there and they're hugging and they're whatever. Mom comes back to me. She's crying. She says, thank you so, so much. I prayed all night long that we would find Jesse today. I knew this would be our last day. And I thought God didn't answer my prayer. And then you called. You see, Jesus is inviting you. He's inviting you to take part in, in, in finding his lost sons and daughters. The Bible says this in Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 5, I believe, that The spirit of God was inside of Jesus, reconciling the world to himself. And now we've been given the ministry of reconciliation, which by the way, and then that whole, if we read it word for word, it would go on to say, not counting their trespasses against them. And now you've been given this ministry of reconciliation to turn the hearts of the sons to the fathers and the fathers to the sons to reconcile families. This is New Testament prophecy. Elijah in the old is calling down fire on false prophets. Elijah in the new, when he comes, he's turning the hearts of fathers to sons and sons to fathers. He's reconciling families. Literally, the spirit of prophecy is to reconcile families. It's to actually turn people back to the father, to reconcile them to the father and to one another. And this is our assignment this is our joy this is our privilege this is why we breathe air listen it'd be better to get saved and go straight to heaven for us 
Paul said, it's better for me to go to heaven, but for you, it's better for that I'm here. Listen, it'd be better for all of us where to just to be done with this part and to go. But listen, he has us here to fulfill the great commission, to take part in it with him. Come on, we get to do this. We don't have to, we get to. Listen, Jesus said the kingdom of God doesn't come with observation like it's over there or if it's over there, the kingdom of God is inside of you. The king's dominion, where the king is dominating your heart, your mind, your will, your emotions, he's dominating it. Why? Because of he, he's, he's convicted our heart of his love. We, we're convinced of the love of God. I know this, that nothing can separate me from the love of God. Not life, nor death, nor angel, nor principality, wars, famines. Nothing can separate me from the love of God. We're convinced of this love in our heart. And because of that, we love him back with all of our heart, mind, and soul. The kingdom, the kingdom of God does not come unless people get born again. Strategize a way of how you're gonna bring the kingdom and be a kingdom business person or be a kingdom whatever you want it to be. Strategize a way how you're gonna bring, be a kingdom government person. But guess what? The kingdom doesn't come unless people get born again. The kingdom is inside of you. The kingdom happens when people get born again on the inside. And that happens when we begin to testify. Matthew 25 I just shared this, a bunch of these stories the other day. I was asking this dude, you know, I, I said, hey, have you ever heard about the 10 virgins? He said, what are you talking about? I said, Jesus, he told this, this parable. I said, have you ever heard about it? And I told him the parable. I said, who are you? What, which virgin is, are, are, are you within the one he's gonna say, go away, I never knew you? Or do you have oil? You know where I was? get my world changed. Literally, I was in like one of those Jiffy Lube places. And I'm thinking, I got my Bible here. I'm this guy. I'm like, God, how do I share the gospel with him? The Lord said, share with him Matthew 25. Hey, have you ever, you ever heard of Matthew 25, bud? No, I did not. I don't know. I never heard of that. Let's just share it with him. He got born again right there on the spot. Why? All I did was read him the Bible, literally. We're not gonna read that part though. We're gonna read Matthew 31. When the son of man comes in his glory and all, uh, and maybe if I can get somebody to come and help me minister, I don't even know when I, how long I have. I've probably done, right? You guys okay? You guys okay? Come on. Maybe I have, have somebody come help me or do we'll minister, prophesy. Believe that the Holy Spirit's gonna fall on us. My heart is that the Holy Spirit would baptize all of us with fire tonight. See, because I can tell stories that would inspire. I can say how fun it is to follow Jesus, but I, I realize I've do, I do this enough. It, you know, the, the inspiring stories, even the tears that come, they're not enough to sustain a lifestyle of evangelism. But what will make you a witness is when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Jesus said, and you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you shall be witnesses. I think a lot of people in the body of Christ have had a learned behavior experience, but they haven't had a true baptism in power. And the evidence is that they're not living witnesses. John the Baptist came baptizing with water unto repentance. And they said, are you the Christ? He said, I'm not him. 
and not even worthy to unstrap his sandal. But when he comes, he'll baptize you with the Holy Spirit and what? Fire. The context of the baptism of the Holy Spirit and fire there is repentance. He's baptizing with water into repentance. He said, but he's going to come and he's going to baptize you with the spirit of holiness and with fire, that purifying fire. See, the Bible says the most unruly of all your members is your tongue. And in Acts chapter two, when the fulfillment of that happens, they receive tongues of fire, which is what we preach the gospel with. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth's going to speak. I believe that one, one of the things that happens when the Holy Spirit comes upon you is he writes the letter of God's law no longer on tablets of stone, but on your heart. He tattoos his law on your heart to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, mind, and soul, and your neighbor as yourself. And something happens with that fire, that spirit of holiness. You're set apart, and you're like, no longer am I going to live for myself and think about myself and and have all these excuses of why I don't share the gospel and why I'm not praying for the the, the lost and why I'm not being having all, no no no. My life is to make Jesus known. I. I dream about this. I, I go to bed and I sleep and, I, and I'm dreaming about it. I lay in my bed and I'm thinking about the gospel and I'm thinking about how many people can we get saved? How can we rescue people? How can we partner with you? God wants to baptize our hearts tonight with fire, that fresh fire, that fresh love. Love is like a fire because God is love. God is love and God is also an all-consuming fire. Love is like an all-consuming fire. It consumes you. The love of God's going to consume you tonight. I got to believe that. But I also believe that part of what sets us up for those encounters is humility. Brought about by the Holy Spirit. The conviction that comes by the Holy Spirit. There's something of conviction that happens where we're, we realize that he loves us absolutely, but we're living below the glorious standard that he's, in, he's, he's given us the ability to live at. And we come in this humility and we say, God, I'm sorry. And I surrender again. And I'm gonna trust that you're gonna baptize me because I can't do this on my own, but I know that if you touch me, I know that if your power comes upon me, I can do all things. God, baptize my heart again. I want to fall in love with you again. I want to have wonder again. I want to burn, God. I want to, I want to have these kind of testimonies every day of my life. I want, to, I want to live this. Jesus said, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then he will sit on his throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate them from one another as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. And he will set the sheep on his right hand and the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on the right hand, come, you blessed. Of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you a drink? 
When do we see you a stranger and take you in or naked and clothe you? And when do we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. Then he will also say to those on his left hand, depart from me, you cursed, into the everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not take me in naked and you did not clothe me sick and in prison and you did not visit me. Then they will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked and, or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them saying, assuredly, I say to you, and as much as you did it, did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. It's the words of Jesus talking about that day. The spirit of God is in the room right now. God said he'd be with us if we gather in his name. He promised. The spirit of God is in the room. I just want you to close your eyes and just turn your heart to him. He loves you so much. And he's calling each and every one of us. Some of us, even though we're at home, we're lost. It's like the prodigal son that stayed home the whole time. It's the two lost sons. One was in the house the whole time. And when the prodigal son returned, the, the, the older son stayed out. He said, I've been here the whole time. You never killed a fatted calf for me. Guess what? The father pursued the older son too. He, go to, he went out to him. He said, don't you understand? Your, your brother was dead. Now he's, a, he's, he's alive. He was lost. Now he's found. I believe there are many that come to church. They've been in, in the father's house the whole time, yet they're lost. They don't know what they've been given. They don't know that they have the fatted calf. And therefore we live like orphans in the father house. I believe that the Lord is calling us to a place of repentance. I believe the Lord is calling us to a place of deep surrender, to a place of deep revelation of who we are and who he is in us so that we stop making excuses for not being obedient to his call to make disciples in the nations. If God is convicting your heart right now and you wanna, you wanna repent, I want you to stand to your feet right now quickly. Thank you, Jesus. God, <laughs> he loves humility. He's attracted to humility. Come on, put your hand on your heart, everyone in here. Say, Jesus, 
thank you for loving me. I commit my life to bring you glory, to make disciples, to preach the gospel. I surrender everything right now. I'm sorry for where I've fallen short and I receive your mercy right now. Wash me, cleanse me, and fill me with your Holy Spirit. Now, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would fall like a blanket upon the congregation right now. Fill every person with power to be a witness as you promised. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you shall be witnesses of me in Jerusalem and beyond. May you receive the power to be a witness right now in Jesus' name. May you receive the compassion of God for his lost sons and daughters, that you would be a congregation that would be moved with compassion every day of your life in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you for generosity, God. I thank you for those who you've called to be generous in the body of Christ. I thank you for those who are gonna be hospitable to invite the stranger into their house and to give a bed, Father, and a, and, a, and a warm meal. Lord, I thank you for those who you're calling to prisons. God, I thank you for those who you're calling to feed the hungry and to give water to those who are thirsty, God. I thank you that you have empowered us by your spirit to be witnesses of the resurrected Jesus Christ, that he died, that he resurrected, and that our, our words would not just be words, but that you would stretch out your hand and do miracles and signs and wonders, that Jesus Christ would be glorified. Pour out your spirit, God, that's our prayer. Pour out your spirit tonight in Jesus' mighty name. Amen, 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 amen. I can minister, I'm gonna come in minister. I don't know if there's a ministry team that can help me minister tonight, but uh, I'm gonna be ministering tomorrow. I'll bring a different word tomorrow. So if you are able and you wanna come tomorrow morning, I'll be here tomorrow morning. And uh, and um, I'm looking forward to all that God does. Bless you. Thank you for having me. <laughs>